0: Father God, we just pray now as we look at these verses that Doreen read to us. Uh, that Lord, you would just open our hearts. That Lord, by your spirit, you'd speak to us. Um, Lord, take my thoughts, take these words. And Lord, may there be what you need them to be for everyone who listens. Um, that Father God, uh, you would speak to people. Father, not me. And that Lord, your name would be glorified. That your name be lifted high. And that every single one of us, Lord, um, would be leaving this place closer to you, closer to each other, Lord, and just in a better place than we first came in. Father, we just thank you for the privilege of church, uh, the privilege of worship, the privilege of looking at your word, Lord, and applying it to our lives, and and Lord, may you do that now by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Sorry, before I start, um, sorry, this is not related at all. Um, Is this anybody's? Ah. I'll put it on that plate. (laughs) Okay. You're probably wondering wondering all week where that is okay there we are that's, that's good um, so there's a story uh, about St. Patrick it was of course St. Patrick's Day this week um, I didn't celebrate it because uh, not being Irish um, it wasn't that sort of something I particularly celebrate but uh, St. Patrick's Day this week and there's a story of the baptism of King Angus I think that's how you pronounce it in the middle of the 5th century um, apparently sometime during the ritual so the story goes St. Patrick had a, who had a very sharp stick with a point at the end he used to poke it in the ground and lean upon it as he, as he spoke to crowds and uh, sometime during the ritual Saint Patrick apparently inadvertently with his sharp stick stabbed the king in the foot um, I would say we've all been there but um, that's not the case is it really after the baptism was over Saint Patrick looked down at all the blood on the king's foot and realized what he'd done and began to beg the king for forgiveness after presumably quite a few nervous moments on St. Patrick's uh, um, part he asked the, que- the king a question he said my king why did you suffer such pain in silence the king replied I thought it was part of the ritual <laughs> so when the next person gets baptized I'm going to see if I can poke sharp things into your feet and see if you mention it until afterwards Um, we're doing a sermon series uh, in fact a whole series that spills over into our connect groups during the week called Paraclesis, a Greek word uh, a Greek word for compassion in the New Testament a Greek word that takes on many different forms uh, and and just sort of is informing our idea of what it means to be compassionate to each other what it means to show love to each other on this journey of life we're all on a journey through life And, uh, and the reason I tell that story is because that story is kind of like life in many ways isn't it life is often painful it's often unexpectedly painful I shouldn't think the king was expecting uh, this godly man to shove a sharp stick through his foot any more than we expect the things that happen to us all too often um, to happen when they do Um, often uh, and we like this story in that many people like that king accept their pain and their situation as simply part of life well this is just it and maybe, like the king, we suffer in silence as well. I wonder this morning how many of us, how many of you, including myself, are actually unhappy this morning at church. We come in like that, don't we? But how many of us actually are unhappy this morning? How many of us that, if someone was actually to take more than ten seconds to ask us how we were, might actually burst into tears? I wonder how many of us this morning are scared about something—something something physical, something emotional. Something to do with our houses or our jobs. Perhaps we are worried about something. Maybe we're grieving about something that's just taken place, or something many years in the past. Perhaps we're just upset. Maybe we're broken, but we put on a brave face because that's what you do at church. Wrong. This is the worst place to put a brave face on, because this is meant to be the community of the King, and in the community of the King, in His courtyard we're supposed to be brave and and free to be open with each other. If you need to shed tears this morning, find someone that you trust and that you're particularly close to and let it out. Be honest with each other. Be open with each other. Let's love each other the way we've been talking these last five weeks let's not suffer in silence let's not fatalistically accept that this is how it's going to feel into the day I die life hurts yes we can't get past that life is always going to hurt things go wrong that is just life but we don't have to fatalistically accept the pain that goes with it and the despair that goes with it God has sent his son to give peace wholeness to his people healing and his church he has given to the broken to stand with us Call for prayer if you are upset or broken or frightened or worried or scared or angry or cross or bitter etc etc. Call for help. We have a prayer team every Sunday. If you're not comfortable going down the front, grab someone from the church leadership. Grab your connect group leader. We can go somewhere more private or at a separate time and talk. Let's support each other. Life is tough, isn't it? Life is hard, and we all know it's toughness in lesser or greater degrees. Some of us here have been through terrible things. Some are yet to experience terrible things, but we will at some point. And we're going to meet a lady in a moment. We've already heard her verses read to us by Doreen, simply described as the crippled woman healed on the Sabbath from Luke 13, 10 to 17. If you've got it open in front of you, that would be good. And I'll read it to you again, just in case you've... um, not familiar with the story it says on the sabbath which says on a sabbath jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years she was bent over and could not straighten up at all when jesus saw her he called her forward and said to her woman you're set free from your infirmity then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised god indignant because Jesus healed on the sabbath the synagogue leader said to the people there are six days for work and so come and be healed on one of those days not the sabbath the lord answered him you hypocrites don't doesn't each of you on the sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stool and lead it out to give it water then should not this woman a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. And it's such a brilliant, so I love the way Jesus attacks religious hypocrisy. It's brilliant, I love it. There's so much religious hypocrisy, even in the 21st century, isn't there? Oh, you mustn't do that. Oh, you mustn't do it like that. And Jesus just says, shush come on we're going to show the love of God the power of God it's really interesting that this week's reading and last week's reading both give us the amount of time that both of these people have been suffering the man at the pool of Bethsaida um, last week and this woman um, who's been has got a crippled back a, a bad a disabled back he'd been ill for 38 years and she's had this condition for 18 and it's a real challenge actually isn't it it reminds us these two stories that life doesn't always have quick fixes see we've all been slowly changed we don't realize it but in our world of instant we think everything should be instant we live in an instant age you can download a new app to your phone if you don't like it you just delete it in fact, if you're an Android user, you probably rejoiced as I did about a year ago when they upgraded their operating system. I'm now speaking to probably three of you. Um, because before you had to go... I had to, if I had an app on my phone um, before, where is it with Apple? You, just to put it in context, if you don't like something, you put your finger on it and it sort of wobbles like that and it looks like a and you press across and it's gone off your phone. If you're an Android user, you had to press settings, scroll, scroll, all the way to the application menu, press that, and then find the one you wanted, press it again, so my finger's already tired, and then you go down, you find it, and then you have to look for the word uninstall, you click uninstall, you think that would be it, at this point, they're taking the mickey out of you at this point, aren't they? You click uninstall, then it says, are you sure? And you say, okay, and it takes a couple of seconds. Then you've got to press the home button to get back. How ridiculous is that? But we live, um, I, used to get, I used to complain about that, and grow up. <laughs> But we live in such instant times that when we go through terrible moments or difficult moments, we think that God will be as quick as Apple. But God actually is richer and deeper and more knowledgeable of us and the world than Apple or even Android. And actually, sometimes things take a little longer and we must persevere in our trust of God. We must hang on when things go rough because actually that process develops us in a way that comfort and instant never will. We grow in our faith sometimes in those difficult moments. Also, however, our compassion that we show people that go through long-term illnesses needs to be long-standing as well. How easy is it to show surface, short-term sympathy? Hey, man, I'm really here for you. Ring me whenever we go home and forgotten. Maybe we think of them a week later, but how hard is it to show sympathy and love and empathy for a long time? Could you show up for 18 long years for someone that was in a condition? Not many people can. So we see in these verses that life is painful this woman's life is a painful a powerful reminder should I say that we all experience what she's going through to a lesser or greater degree so what can we say about her life we can say in verse 16 that it is a pitiful existence a pitiful existence that she's to be pitied Jesus says this woman uh, should not this woman a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years he emphasizes that shouldn't she be set free on the sabbath day from what bound her 18 long years bent over like this not able to straighten up not able to get a job probably not able to get married not able to look after herself 18 long years a pitiful existence I've done my fair amount of traveling and my knowledge of the world as small as it is compared to some I'm sure just lets me know that this woman probably stopped being called by her name a long time ago I wonder uh, that once she was a woman with a history and a name and a past but I guess after 18 years she's probably simply known as the woman with the bad back. How easy is it to define people by their illness? How easy is it to define people by their conditions? How easy is it for us to define ourselves by what we've got wrong? Do you know a shortcut to darkness in your soul is to constantly only see what is broken in you and not see the whole of you we must attempt actually when things go wrong to see ourselves the way God sees us how does God see you well if you're a Christian this morning there is good news because when God looks at you he sees the righteousness of his son you may think I'm worthless but if you're a Christian your unrighteousness has been paid for at the cross for you, In that most horrendous way, his righteousness has been on top of you, covered in his goodness. So when God sees you, when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ, not your unrighteousness. He doesn't see your brokenness and your sin. He knows it's there, but he doesn't judge you the way you might judge yourself. He sees you as Christ has made you redeemed and free. We know that the very son that God loves so much, his one and only beloved son, died for us. And we must see ourselves as so worth, worth so much to God that he would allow his only son to be nailed to a cross to set us free. How many of you have, just put your hand up? if you've got uh, children, 20, 30, 40 years old, that, kind of, or that sort of age bracket. Sorry to make you feel old. Uh, I apologise there. But isn't it true that when you look at your kids, your children, even now, sometimes you don't see the 25 30 year old with a big beard and maybe a bit smelly at times you still see the little toddler that kind of toddles up into the kitchen slightly inquisitive because actually we see them the way we see them not the way they might see themselves and God sees his son when he looks at us and we must see the way God sees us part of compassion therefore and care is us reminding people who are long-term ill that we see more of them than what is wrong with them that might mean that sometimes we widen the conversation past how was your hospital appointment or how are you feeling does it still hurt those things matter to ask but you know sometimes you can ask about the football sometimes you say did you see that film at the weekend are you enjoying the weather widen the conversation to include more than just what's wrong so they know we know but there's more going on my brother yesterday I spoke to him on the phone um I phoned him which is quite rare bless him um but that's a different sermon and uh, and so he was uh, walking down he went to went to Tesco's and he met a guy from his church and this man sadly his wife is terminally ill with cancer and probably hasn't got too much longer to live and it's been going on for a long time and he said you fancy a quick coffee and my brother said yeah that'd be okay let's do it and they sat and had a coffee and they just talked about everything but this man's wife who's passing away not because my brother didn't care because the man didn't want to and he said what makes church difficult sometimes is I walk in and that's all people want to talk to me about and he said and I love that they care but just sometimes I'd like to talk about other things because guess what there's more to his life and there's more to him than that this woman had a pitiful existence but I'm sure that's all people could see she had a physical affliction in verse 11 we read almost the same verse a woman who'd been crippled by a spirit for 18 years she was bent over and could not straighten up at all this is life for so many people isn't it the spirit is willing but the body is broken she was trapped by her condition we're all trapped aren't we by our fragile bodies if you think you haven't got a fragile body that's broken you delude yourself we delude ourselves to about 25 I think when we're younger we think we're the ones that are going to buck the trend and never have bad knees and dodgy backs uh, and get tired at about eight o'clock I'm not there at all yet by the way um, but it happens doesn't it? you can't stop it it's called getting old our bodies are broken the Bible says and she's trapped by her condition but there is a wonderful verse in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 4 verse 7 when Paul writes this he says but we have this treasure in jars of clay, to show that all this—sorry, to, sh- to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed; perplexed, and not in despair; persecuted, but not abandoned; struck down, but not destroyed. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. It's such a lovely verse because it reminds us that our bodies. I like clay jars. They have chips in them. They fade in the sunlight. Um, they have cracks down the side. Sometimes they just shatter. But God in his wonderful care has put his life, our life eternal through Jesus Christ, death and resurrection in this jar of clay, which is slowly cracking. I've got the lines to prove it. Slowly cracking and fading and breaking because this body is a jar of clay, but there is another one that's coming. Be encouraged if you know Jesus Christ this morning there is more to you than the cracks and chips that you have collected across your life so far when people saw her they probably just saw a sad woman in a pitiful existence trapped in her body but when Jesus sees her um, he does something wonderful doesn't he and in fact we see another element of compassion this morning Um, as Jesus sees this woman what does he do he calls her forward the bible says and then he heals her And it's really interesting, actually. Um, He uses the the word Satan, doesn't he? He talks about the devil keeping her bound for 18 years. It says she was bound by a spirit. And then in verse 16, that the devil was held her captive, bound her for 18 years. Jesus is saying that this physical condition is a result of a spiritual problem. That's a massive topic, which you'll be pleased to know I'm not gonna talk about for the next half an hour because I'm sure you do wanna go home at some point. But we know, don't we, that sometimes our physical conditions can be made worse or even caused by internal pressure. Stress is the obvious one. Anxiety, excessive worry can all cause strange pains, sleep problems or digestive problems and even skin complaints or weight issues, to name a few. And I suspect that it's true, true of excessive bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. I suspect guilt can affect you physically as well. For her, her illness was the devil himself. That's not necessarily always the case. But what I love about this and what we see here is that when Jesus sees her, he doesn't see what's wrong with her. He sees something deeper. He sees something else. Um, I've got a picture of an iceberg Um, dead ahead, there we are, Um, that was a Titanic quote, never mind. Um, Now when you look at an iceberg, you think the bit, well you may not do, but most people think that that bit at the top is an iceberg, in fact it isn't, an iceberg is that plus that mass of ice under the water line and in fact um, when the Titanic sunk, I don't think it sunk because it hit the bit sticking out of the water, I think it sunk because it hit the bit underneath the water and isn't that true for most of our problems in life or a lot of our problems in life we think okay they've got this physical problem and if i fix that they'll be all sorted but isn't it true that sometimes we need to look below the waterline we need to look at what else is going on in someone's life because it might not be just a practical solution is needed they may need care that goes deeper than what we can see on the outside this woman didn't just need a new body she needed to be released from the oppression of satan himself A friend of mine from a long, long time ago, a woman called Sarah, um, had a couple of brothers and a couple of sisters, and uh, one of her sisters had epilepsy quite bad. And there's a terrible story that she quite happily told anyone, really, of the day she came home from school. I think she was probably 15, 16 at the time. Um, And her sister was in the bath and had an epileptic fit and died. I think she drowned. And poor old Sarah was the one that found her. Now, when you spoke to Sarah, you would assume that she'd dealt with all of the awful emotional baggage that comes with seeing and experiencing something like that and she would say yes it's fine yeah it's fine yes that was a long time ago now but I hear that she was at a bible study group at the church we attended and, uh, and there was an American guy there and she told the story like she told it to everybody else and he said that must have been awful and she said oh no it's fine and he just said one extra line that no one else had ever said to her he said yeah but is it really fine and she burst into tears, floods of tears, I think, because actually Sarah, bless her, hadn't dealt with anything. So above the waterline was a woman that said, "I've dealt with it; everything's fine." Underneath the waterline was a probably the same young girl, just in tears over the death of her sister and the trauma of finding her. We need to care beneath the waterline. We need to see what's going on where it's unseen. We need to take time to find out what people are really going through, not just what we can see so what sort of brokenness what sort of things go on behind the waterline underneath the waterline well just a few areas of brokenness people may be suffering from broken relationships some here this even this morning or people you know may be going through broken relationships they may have fallen out with a friend 20 30 years ago and still suffer hurt people may be in broken marriages maybe through divorce maybe broken but together um, officially they may have broken family relationships how many people can't stand their parents or can't stand their kids or their brother or sister or cousin and they're broken and that's all going on below the waterline. sometimes isn't it people suffer from broken dreams people get to a certain age and they realize that all the plans they made there when they're 17 18 years old hasn't happened and then there's a horrible feeling of I've wasted my life I'm not going to be the guy I thought I was and that actually is horrible broken dreams are awful some people actually a lot of what they do is because they feel they've wasted their life and so they sign up to everything, or they try and do this and try to get some, idea, some sense of achievement because I've wasted my broken dreams. Broken hearts. People can just be broken-hearted, can't they? Maybe some, some form of loss, a loved one, a member of their family, a partner, a child, maybe through divorce. Maybe a sense of loss through unrequited love. In my previous church, there was a woman called Violet who came for a while. Now, Violet was one seriously angry individual she shouted at me more than anybody else ever has done in my life I saw a pastor in Tesco's once and they know someone walks towards you and they're looking down like that and you're looking up and I thought well she hasn't seen me it's quite crowded and I thought well so I just kind of and then there we are so we passed each other and I thought well she's missed me that's what happens she came up to me at church the next Sunday how dare you and really shouted at me and I had to apologize and say you, you didn't see me I was honest but I discovered that Violet was the way she was because she'd almost had a relationship with a guy called Trevor. In fact, I think she was in a relationship with a guy called Trevor years and years ago, and he essentially dumped her at the altar, and she never got over it. Now, I could have looked at Violet and thought, oh, you're a miserable woman, oh, leave me alone. But actually, when you get to know her, you realise that she has got a lot more going on. Broken hearts, broken image. Um, Maybe people have been through terrible humiliation or rejection from others. Maybe they've been bullied and they have no self-esteem, so they react the way they do, and we need to love them through that. Broken cisterns is the next one. In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God's people are told where they they dug, they used to dig um, water tanks out of rock, and that's where they would look after and hold their water. And God's people are said to be uh, building broken systems. They're all broken, God says. And the water's draining out. That's just from a different part of the Bible. But that's a picture of people's lives, isn't it? What they wanted, what they hoped for, just drains away. Their deepest longings haven't been met. And so they need to have that loved uh, and put back together. Broken body is the final one. Illness, disability, physical, maybe even some form of abuse can all be going on below the waterline. And so why do we need to care like this? Why do we need to care below the waterline? Well, let me read you a verse from Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 14 says, The human spirit can endure in times of illness, but a crushed spirit, who can bear? It's easy to put a mask on, but it's so easy to have a broken spirit as you wear it. And for us this morning, we need to be people love below the water line in 2, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 we, God says to Paul that my grace is sufficient for you and we need the grace of God and we need to be graceful to each other and so let me just end by saying this I believe it's time to take time I believe it's time to stop and look not just at what we see but what is unseen look at the mass of the mess and hurt under the water line it's time to love people like Christ has already loved us, sacrificially loving us in the places that no one knew existed, seeing what's really going on. But that takes effort. That takes perseverance, not just for them, but for us who want to love. It takes commitment. But this is how you change people's lives right there, going the extra mile or two or three until they are better. Let's pray.